Are you enjoying your challenges? This is our Love Does series, and you're, you're taking some challenges. Just for grins, for the people that are in the room, um, and I guess you can raise your hand if you're watching with some friends, but uh, who, who's participating? Who's, like, reading the emails and the challenges? Okay, cool. Um, so let me review a, a little bit from last week, and then we'll go forward. First John uh, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. First John 4, 7 says this, uh, let us love one another, all right? For love comes where? From God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and what? Knows God. Okay, the next verse says, uh, whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So we introduced this idea that this is what we want to be known for. This is what Jesus introduced to us. And people, I hear people all the time in the Christian world say, well, this is, quote, biblical or not biblical. And they, they have these kind of things. And what a terrible, terrible litmus test. Terrible. Is it biblical? Because then, first of all, you're fooling yourself into thinking you're biblical. Most of you haven't read it. Number two, uh, most of you don't understand it, right? Let's be honest. I mean, you have your favorite verses. I didn't mean you don't have your favorite verses, but it's a terrible test because you can pull out a verse and then someone else will just what? Pull out another verse. And then, then you say, well, it's how it's interpreted. And they pull out their favorite interpretation and then you pull out your favorite. So it's a terrible, so Jesus saved us from all of this. And you don't even have to throw anything at me. If you're mad, throw something at Jesus. He saved us from all of this crazy stuff. He said, the new commandment, ready? Remember he said, you've heard it said, but I say to you, the old is gone, the new has come, right? The new covenant we're going to celebrate together at the end here. But what is it about? He says, it's about love. The new commandment is about love because God is love. So the new litmus test is not, is it biblical? The new litmus test, according to Jesus, is, is it loving? Ah, everybody take a, ah. How many are glad? How many are mad? A couple of you are mad at me. That's right. You've used that to get people in line or to get to agree. Okay. But that's Jesus. And that's not me. I'm just re relaying. He's like, it's, it's, it's about love. Because God is love. So the litmus test is love. It's just the loving thing to do. Um, remember he says, it says in this, Paul writes about, you know, you follow, you follow the spirit you follow the Spirit. And this makes us nervous, right? How many of you like, you're like black and white types? You're like, I just give me the manual. I want to know who's in. I want to know who's out. I want to get the owner's manual out. I want to look up. And you fix your, you fix your carburetor that well. Carburetor back in the day, right? Uh, you fix, uh, if you've got an old classic Mustang, right? Uh, but you fix, but that's not how you operate in life. The Spirit gives life. The letter kills. Think about these things. So we're operating on a whole different plane, according to Jesus, and the litmus test would be love. And now what we're learning is love is action-oriented, all right? So uh, today, I want to do James chapter 2, verse 1. And James says this, My brothers and sisters, uh, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He says, must not show, what's the word? Favoritism. Must not show, what? Favoritism. All right? How many got it so far? How many would agree so far? Oh, that's good. 
What a great song. Wow, what a gutsy song. What an awesome song, right? How many times have you gone to church and just prayed for God to bless the Muslims? God to... Isn't that... There's no favoritism with God. We... Jesus taught us to pray for everybody, bless everybody, right? So uh, don't show favoritism. And then he goes on to give an example, all right? Don't show favoritism. We agree with the general principle. We shouldn't show favoritism. Um, I called this message. Uh, did you get my email on Friday about saving seats? Did you get it? Saving seats. So, uh, you know, saving seats, right? Like, you know, like at Easter, this, it's going to be on at Easter, right? It's going to like it is at Christmas Eve at Orchard Grove. It's like get there early and save seats. And then people come to me like, we're all back in junior high every holiday, right? And the Pastor Chris, someone's always saving. Tell them they can't save seats. They can't save. Now, how many of you? Now, let me solve. Let me just solve this for you. Because people want to know, is it right to save seats? Is it wrong to save seats? And I'm going to tell you the answer. Ready? Here's what you think about that. I can tell you what you think about whether it's right or wrong to save seats. Here's what you think. It depends how early you are. If you're early and your mom's late, it's good to save seats, right? If you got here late and you want that seat, it is what? And you've changed your mind every time depending on whether it helped you or not, right? James gives his first example about favoritism, and it has to do with, of all things, Saving seats, right? Suppose, he says, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and Versace. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. So he sets with the general idea, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, don't show favoritism. Then he says, for example, Somebody comes into your meeting, your gathering place. Uh, in, in early times, they're often in people's homes, right? They would just gather in someone's home. And uh, someone comes in, and he's finely dressed. And you can tell right away, he's, he's got, you know, he, he showed up in a, in a Cadillac chariot of sorts. And you, you, you boy, let's make sure we take care of this guy, you know. And all kinds of reasons and motives. You know, maybe you feel comfortable around people that are wealthy. Maybe you think there's a kickback, right? And he says, then, then a shabby guy comes in, right? It's terribly dressed, tattered clothes. Where James is going to go is obvious to us. Is it obvious where he's going to go, right? If, if, you, if you show favoritism to the guy that's well-dressed, and you don't help the guy that isn't, you give him a, a lesser seat, talks about where they're seated, you're showing favoritism. If you say, come here, I got a seat for you, and the other guy you disregard, you're showing favoritism. Favoritism is baked into our culture. It's baked into. Now, when you read the story and it says, don't show favoritism, your answer right away would be, duh. This is, like Chris, go on to something else. Go on to something deeper. I, I get it. God doesn't want us to show favoritism. One, two, three, duh. Instead of saying amen, you just say, duh. One, two, three, duh. No kidding, Chris. Get on to something. 
But if I can, I would like to talk about favoritism for just a couple minutes. And if I can, um, I'm gonna, I might do it from a little different angle. And, and maybe here's why. Because we know, duh, we shouldn't show favoritism, but we also sort of realize favoritism is sort of baked into our culture. And it's something we've been fighting for a long time. And let me say something else. We all, I won't let anyone be excluded from this, no matter how righteous or sanctimonious you are, we all show favoritism. We all do. All of us. And there's some good people out there. Even you. And those of you who point at other people that do that show favoritism. It's baked in. And what we're trying to do, I think, is to weed it out. And why? So if I can for a minute, and this might go good, it might not, but if I can, I'm going to just see if we can explore why we do it. Why is it that favoritism is so natural to us? Why was this example of saving seats good 2,000 years ago, and it's still good today? Why? Now, if I can, I'm just give you a couple of thoughts about, uh, we'll call it the, the theory or the history of human development, all right? And then I'll, I'll get you back after a while. I'll lose you for like 10 minutes and I'll get you back. All right, so just take a nap. All right, so the history of human development, and, and, and boy, there's all kinds of things that are talked about here, so I'm going to give you a rough sketch you can dive deep in, or if you're, if you're a professor at this, then obviously you're going to correct me afterwards, but in broad strokes, in broad strokes, it parallels how history has evolved or humanity has evolved over time, developed, matured over time. Quick example, how many of you look back, you watch the History Channel or you look back, I mean, if you were my age, I was born in the late 60s, right? So I don't remember any of the 60s, I was born in the late 60s. And so when I read about things that happened, things that were done or said by people, politicians in office publicly, just shamelessly saying things that were blatantly racist, I go, what? They got to do that? And it was, society was there. Are you with me? And now you look back and you go, wow, that's how people... And then, you, you know, you can look back further and, and you read about slavery and you just think, what? What? A couple of years ago, I did a, I did a, a little side journey for uh, Black History Month in February. It was about three years ago. And I studied for my own edification pro-slavery sermons from the South. You can find them online. Pastors with Bibles quoting verses about why God is for slavery. You can read that stuff. People used to think that way. How many know, like, thank God, most people don't think that way anymore. Please put your hand up or you're just shaming yourself right now, right? Okay, so, I mean, things move, things progress. We, we grow, we mature. So, and, and same is true with society, is true with individuals. How many have a toddler in the house? How many just appreciate the toddler, the way they help out around the house, the way they... They don't help the chores or 
What, what does a toddler think about? Was an infant. Who's got an infant in the house? What do they think about? I don't think about anything except what? Me. So we'll start there. Me. Oh, I love me some me. Don't you love some me? Huh? There you are. Precious, precious. Happy thinking about yourself. Huh? Don't you love me? Don't you love yourself some me? And these are, these are the infants, right? And, um, all right, a little, little quiz here. How many of you have ever gotten really frustrated with your infant? You don't want to put your hand up for that one, do you? You're like, ah, I'm not looking at it. But the, the reality is everybody does, because like, they just, they're so self, what? This is, that's all they know. That's all that they know. But then you back off, and your reality is, I can't really, what? I can't expect a lot more because they're a baby. They're an infant. You can't expect a lot more. I have to grow up and be, what's the word? Patient, right? I, I hung out with my, uh, my brother this week, and we were talking because my dad's birthday, who's passed away, was this week. So we got together, and you know, I had a Starbucks in his honor, and we got to tell him the stories. And my brother's like, you know, he's raising two young ones, right? And, uh, and oh, my goodness, is he just, you know... He's probably the best dad on planet Earth, right? But he's just like, oh, man. It's, he goes, I get so upset some days, right? He's a stay-at-home dad. He goes, I get so upset some days. And I, he goes, so we went to a boxing workout together. He goes, oh, it felt so good. So let it all out. You're around this all the time. And just to be honest, it's just hard. You're your children. You love them, but it's hard. And so you're so happy when they move beyond that stage, right, where they can do something for themselves, anything, just do anything, please, you know, get your own food, put your pants on, do something, tie your shoes, get some Velcro, I don't care, let's just move along, how many are with me, like, can we just move a little bit, right, ah, please, something, do anything, all right, so we go from sort of the egocentric, everything's about. And what are these guys thinking about? This is what they're thinking about, whether we realize it or not. Ready? What? I just want to be alive. Everything that they do, I just want to be alive. I cry, I need to eat, I need to eat, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And humanity has gone through this. Yeah, I just got to survive. Do you know that the, the root probably cause of favoritism and fear and racism and every other kind of ism is rooted in survival? They're not like me. They're not one of me. This is kind of where we come from. It kept people alive. There, let me just be brutally honest, because people in this room are across the spectrum. Some of you have way tons of issues. You don't like it when I talk about this because you think we should all join one camp and they should probably be white or they should probably be Protestant or whatever, and we should just talk about how bad everybody else is, and you don't like when I do these kind of things. But anyway, you're here. So, um, 
Some of you are progressed a little further. But here's the, here's the reality. Everybody, when you see somebody that's different than you, you have the natural tendency to be afraid of what you don't know because you don't see, you don't understand. And many of you can bear this out in your own life. If you grew up in an all-white neighborhood, you grew up in an all-black neighborhood, you grew up in an all-Jewish neighborhood, you grew up in an all-whatever neighborhood, and you were, once you first encountered the others, you had a little bit of fear, you had a little bit of, I'm not sure, a little bit of uncertainty. Now, if you were on top of that, if it was in your home, you were told, don't like these people, don't, right? Then, oh man, you didn't even, and then it's compounding. But here's the thing. If you cross the chasm, if you step across, if you get to know, if you sit down and have Starbucks with, you're like, oh, they're just like us. Oh, they just, oh, yeah. I, w- I, went to a, I went to an imam's house about, I don't know, it was like a year and a half ago. And I was talking with him and a bunch of you know, Muslim leaders, and, uh, and they, were, they were gracious. They invited me over, and I sit down, and, you know, I, I'm me. You know what I mean, how I many know I didn't look the part? Which one of these is not like the other? Which one doesn't belong? That was me, right? And I mean, they had you know full garb, you know, and what you would see is a is a is a Muslim, an imam, leader, and 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 there there I was, and you know the little girl comes to me, and uh, the the daughter comes to me, and guess guess what she was like? Your daughter, eating too many cookies. Sassing your mom, chocolate everywhere. And immediately, you know, you, 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 when you get close to people, you realize they're just like you. They've been trained differently, they grew up differently, have different externals, but on the inside, they're just like you. But this, pushing people away, sort of helps you survive egocentric. You want to grow up a little bit? Here we go. Getting taller, getting stronger, right? <laughs> Boom. Look at those guns. I mean, you got it going on, right? This is weed. I don't know if this, by the way, I just, I'm throwing this out as an experiment. If this doesn't go over good, let me know because I won't do it in the second service. All right, I need to know. See, you guys are my experimental crowd. Okay, so um, we, at some point you start to realize that there are other people in the room. And this transition is brutal. How many are in it right now in your home? This is brutal. This is like becoming a teenager. You mean like, I'm not the only person on the planet? No. Your brother has a game too. Your sister has a schedule too. Mom has a job too. Dad has to go to work. Anybody with me? Someone else would like to drive the car? You just rolled over. This is a brutal transition. But most people make it. It's bumpy, isn't it? It's bumpy, it's long, and it goes from me-centered to we-centered. Ego, right? Ego-centered to ethno. Now, in this category, this is what? I only care here about my needs. That's all I can think about, right? This is a little bit, I'll just call it tribal. 
And this is the needs of people like me. Close to me. Right? Like in Flint, it was, don't ever start a fight, Chris, but if someone starts it, my goodness, you. You grew up in Flint, too. All right, so, you know, you know, mess with your brother, right? And, and obviously, I'm not talking, you, you know, you can't ever take a beating and all the time, but it's, it's a movement. It's me, 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 too. Oh, wait, there's more people. And right away, this is when we join a sports team. This is when we become a, a Lions fan and all the other fans are bad. I'm using just sports. As a, but this is like uh, me, my people, the people I know, the people I understand. And this is sort of, you know, moving from uh, it's just about me to it's, it's about we. It, there are more people out there. But it's limited into the tribe or the people that we're comfortable with. They call it tribalism. Man, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm rushing through this, right? This needs like a couple days, but here we go. There you go. Well, actually, here, we'll grow some hair, and then we'll lose it. All right, here we go. You're growing up. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been good. Have a good one. All right. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. If you have a lot of this, you can get these taken care of. You guys have to suck them up. Just kind of go with them even. How you doing? All right. So that's, that's like the, the, the history of humanity. And, and sociologists and people that study these kind of things, they're, they're like, they're like we're, we're sort of caught like right here. You know, and maybe like 5% of society is still here. And maybe, I'm just throwing out, but like maybe 10% of society is still here. Majority is here. Five, maybe 10% is here. And this is global. And in this thinking, everybody's, right, needs matter. This is the kingdom of God. This is that thing that Jesus talked about, where everybody matters. Why did Jesus, everybody, know this, everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan, Right? But the, the, the story's ruined as soon as I give you the quote title. It's never titled that because it's given the punchline away before you start the joke. Huh? There's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Samaritans were inherently bad. Those are the other guys. Those are the other people. They're evil. And as everybody thought, they're not. God does not bless them. You would never go to a synagogue and pray. The song that you guys let us in, God, just bless the Samaritans. God, put your favor on. No. God, we, you assume that God curses them, that God hates them, that they're the other. 
And so you don't care anything. So then Jesus comes along, tells this great story. A guy left on the side of the road for dead. And we think the story is about you should help people that are on the side of the road. And we missed the story completely. The story was about the two guys that didn't help were, were in their camp, were in their tribe, and they were rock stars and they were leaders in their tribe, a priest and a Levite. The hero of the story is the what? Samaritan. No wonder they killed Jesus. You can't go around telling stories like that. Talk about getting your email inbox lit up. Can you imagine his emails after that story went out? You told this whole story and the hero of the story was the, that team? The other? This was what the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about was all about. It moves beyond this. I don't have time, right? But it moves beyond this to all, everything. All of creation. That's what it means. Egocentric, right? Ethnocentric, global centric, Christ centric, global, beyond everything, all. I got a verse for you that you've never put on your refrigerator. Ready? Colossians 3.11. Even, I will pay you $100 if you've ever had this on your refrigerator. 100 bucks. Ready? Colossians 3.11. Here, up in here. Everybody say here. What's here? It's the new thing, the kingdom, the, the new deal, the new way it's working out. There is no Gentile or Jew. Now, these were a lot of Jewish people that they were writing to and were written, so their big distinction were the Jews and Gentiles were everybody else, which is really how we all think. It's me and I tribe and everybody else. He goes, no, no, that doesn't exist. In a kingdom, that doesn't exist. Circumcised or uncircumcised, that was a practice within Judaism to tell who's in and who's out. Who grew up in a who's in and who's out culture? Put your hand up. I grew up in a who's in. You are lying to me. You're not. I grew up in a who's in. These people are in and these people are out. Who grew up in that? And then you had, a, you had circumcision. You had baptism. You had confession. You had, you had whatever your thing was depending on where you grew up. These people are in. These people are out. There is no. Isn't that funny? Why didn't we get this verse on our refrigerators? Barbarian. Mm. Scythian. You didn't even know that was in the Bible, did you? One, two, three. Scythian. Scythian. You didn't know that was in the Bible? What's a Scythian? I mean, a warrior, a brutal barbarian. People that are just horrible. They live way over there. Google them. You can do yourself a favor today. Uh, slave, free. That doesn't none of that. There, none of those distinctions exist. They're all one. All. 
Christ is all and is ooh, 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 in all. Does it say that really? Did Paul really say that? How can you hate someone who Christ is in? Oh, you're so mad I brought this verse up. Yes, but. Yes, but. I can hear you. Get your email. Yes, but. Christ is in all. This, my friends, helps us know why we show favoritism. It's baked in our DNA. Give yourself a break. Ready? Give yourself a break, but grow up. Give your kids a break. <clears throat> How many, isn't this the toughest thing about parenting? When do I give them a break? And when do I just say, time to grow up? I mean, isn't that the million dollar question? When, when do I give them a break? Like they're kids, they're, they're teenagers, they're toddlers, they're whatever. And when do I go, you got to grow up? Try being a pastor. You know? When do I give you a break and say, oh, it's fine, I know you're scared. And when do I go, come on, grow up? You ever read Proverbs where it says, uh, I used to read like a chapter a day. I was like a junkie in that stage of my life. And I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. So I was just, I, I, would, I tell people I was like a carnivore of scripture. You know what I mean? I, I hope now I'm a little more of a connoisseur, but I would, I would just consume, consume. But there's this proverb and it says, you know, wise words are like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Now, it was always one of those, I, I don't know what that means. And I, and I was reading a guy the other day, and he says, you know, a lot of people, when they read the scriptures, they're far enough away, listen, they're far enough away that all they can see is the silver bowl. And they don't get close enough to see the apples of gold. Sometimes we read it too much on the surface. We don't get deep enough. We read what we want to read. I was talking to Anthony the other day. You know, Anthony was leading singing today. And, um, and uh, he's got twin girls. And so uh, last week, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to like, get hugs out of them, you know. Come on. And uh, they're still, you know, shy. And, you know, they don't know me that well yet. And, 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 but I can't tell them apart. It's so frustrating. So I'm not doing myself any favors because I don't know their names. And so I'm always looking for the Kids World name tag, you know. And so if I know their name, I'm thinking I'm going to get a hug, right? I can get a little. And, and I, go, I, go, I go, man, I, I, was, I was like apologizing to them because I, I, I want to know your kids apart, but I, I don't. I, 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 how do I tell? And, you know, he's laughing. He's their dad. I, I go, do you ever struggle? He goes, no, I don't ever struggle. Never struggle. Why? Because I'm up close. I know everything about them. I can tell instantly. The further we are away, right? The way we read Scripture sometimes is like we read it from such a far distance. We need like a second look, a deeper look to say what's really actually going on here. Uh, I ran out of time. Um, okay, here's what we'll do. 
favoritism. Favoritism is like the frontier that we get over as we mature. Many of you know this. You go, if you go to family reunions, there are people in your family that are still very heavily ethnocentric. And if you've moved past that, it can be difficult for you. Because you love and respect your mom or your grandma or whoever, but they got a little too much ethnocentrism. And, and it's hard. I mean, you try to find places to go and eat alone. And, and I mean, it can get verbal and it can get ugly. And it's true. And you've got friends that are of the other ethno that they're making fun of. And you think, dear God, you know, who do I turn my back on? It's true. But pushing past this helps us if we understand that it's driven by this fear and survival. Now listen to him. I'm going to help you with something. Listen. You look forward with fear. Listen very carefully. You look forward with fear, including those people, letting those people in. That's going to be a bad thing. We're, we're afraid of, we're afraid of other. It was helped us survive back, you know, ages ago. Look forward with fear. And you look back with disdain. How do people think that way? You look back at slavery. How do people think that way? Have you ever met a teenager who's got a brother or sister that's almost a teenager? And they're so irritated with their younger one? I mean, they disdain them. You're like, could you be nice? No, they're absolutely, they, right? They just disdain them. How could that be? Because they're maturing. It's complicated. They're maturing. As we pull out as we mature, as we grow, we will look back at the favoritism and we'll go, what were we thinking? The Lord's Supper. Everybody's welcome at this table. Everybody. If you went to church at some point for a long time, you may have heard this thing, don't eat and drink with it in an unworthy manner. Anybody hear this? And, and you were told, you were told, that's like, if you have any sin, anything in the closet, I mean, don't do it, or you'll just keel over. Right there. Just a two-minute two history lesson. Do you know, in the, this was all about favoritism. In New Testament times, it wasn't a, a cracker and a, and a sip of wine. It was a meal with all kinds of wine and all kinds of bread, and then the grand finale or the initiation, whichever it was, but they, they broke it and they celebrated Christ. And listen, people in those days that had certain types of wealth could get there early. They'd get there early. They'd start eating and drinking. And then if you were a slave, if you were a servant, if you were low on the totem pole, by the time you got there, everybody was already drunk. That's in the Bible. And they go, don't do that. Wait for your brothers and sisters. Make sure they're all there, whether they have money or they don't have money. Include everybody. That's what it means to drink in an unworthy manner. It means to exclude people. Don't exclude people. It can be scary, but it can be wonderful. Every person here longs to be connected. And if you've ever been rejected or you've ever walked into the cafeteria at your high school 
and you weren't given a seat. Anybody remember those days? Remember school? The cool people who sit by the clock. You walk around with your tray, remember? Keep moving. Right? It's not the kingdom. So we're all going to take together. 